I'm Jesse Spector, the editor of Willits Pen, and despite what you may have heard, I am not a moron. I'm an idiot. Now you might say, those are the same thing. In fact, I looked it up in the dictionary. Definition for both is a foolish or stupid person. Well, good for you, Merriam-Webster. It's all about usage. A moron is just out there being foolish or stupid. You're not aware of it are just out there all around us not knowing they're morons it seems actually pretty nice i wish i was a moron an idiot an idiot knows that we're idiots we might be smart about some things but we're idiots i am an idiot and this show's purpose is to get some smart people here to help with some things that i'm not smart about to explain like an idiot needs explaining and here's where i'm really an idiot this would go great with some kind of visual medium where you could see that explain like an idiot needs explaining is an acronym. Elaine. This is the Elaine show, and I am the acroponymous idiot. Further examples of me being an idiot? I am relatively certain that acroponymous is a word I just made up, and I'm wearing a hockey jersey in August. But there's a reason for that, even though you, the listener, cannot see it again not a visual medium. Um, it's a Columbus Blue Jackets jersey. Um, and you by now have also seen the uh, episode title and the, the, the explanation. The guest of this episode is Craig Calcaterra from the Cup of Coffee newsletter, um, who is a noted uh, Columbusian. You're a new Albanian, really, but a, a Columbus metropolitan. Yeah, I I, th- I feel like it's a Columbusite or something, but that sounds more like a disease, some sort of parasite. Uh, I like New Albanian. I've never even thought of that one before, but I'm going to start using it and hope it yeah. catches on around here. Maybe a Colombian. Oh, maybe. No, people, there's a lot of racists here and they take it the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what we're here for. Uh, the other reason for the Blue Jackets jersey is um, this is the old Blue Jackets jersey, um, the, the very, you know, the original format featuring um, Stinger on the sleeve. Stinger, of course, never served in the Union Army. Um, he is a good example of stolen valor. And that was um, kind of I, I was going through stuff and um, for the. The, the newsletter post that is up by the time you hear this about updating the DeGrom stat. Um, I've tried to avoid all season updating the DeGrom stat because I felt like it would be really cheap and kind of um, the wrong way to introduce people to Willett's Pen to be like um, if they Googled DeGrom update and found updates on a statistic about pitchers who go at least five innings, allow no runs and get a no decision. Gotcha. Okay. So th- how does this how does this fit in with Tungsten Armo Doyle? This is a very similar thing to that, I think. It's it's like the dubious kind of uh kind of thing for great players, sort of like how Shoei Otani gets the uh eleven strikeouts and loses. I mean, is is, is Otani a big DeGrom guy? Is that what's going on here? Um as we are speaking, I do not have the numbers in front of me for who has had the most this year. I can tell you that um, as of my Google, not Google, my stat head search over the weekend, uh, the Mets were leading the league with eight. It was three each for Walker and Scherzer and two for Carrasco, I believe. See, it's no fun that the Mets are kind of competent and really good this year because, you know, you've got to really search for 
Metsy kind of stats. And that's actually, you know, not that weird for a team. It's not yeah. like a past Mets thing where you would find they something are, crazy. They are on their way to setting the single season major league record, um, which currently stands at 10 DeGroms by an individual team. And all of those have naturally been, um, you know, the, the ones that the tens and the nines have all been in the 21st century, except for one that I noticed, which was the 1974 Orioles, who had nine DeGroms. Oh, well, you seven. have to have good pitchers. You have to have good pitchers to get DeGroms. Ah, here's the thing. Seven of those were in relief. Oh, man. Two, the two that were by starters, were by Jim Palmer. One of those was a game in which Gorman Thomas was asked to sacrifice bunt for the Brewers. I believe it was a one nothing 17-inning game. Palmer pitched 12 innings. Um, it was either that or a different game that the Orioles lost. But it was an Orioles-Brewers game where Gorman Thomas, who had two hits already in the game, was batting seventh. He was a young player, was asked to sacrifice bunt. Obviously, it did not work um, because the game continued. Um, but the batter behind Gorman Thomas, when he was asked to sacrifice, I was like, who the fuck was up that you would ask uh, Gorman Thomas to sacrifice bunt? The next batter was Brewers shortstop Tim Johnson. <laughs> well, was Gorman Thomas really Gorman Thomas yet by then? I think that was a little early. He wasn't he was quite not. Gorman he was, Thomas. He was quite young, but he was still, if you look at his 1975 Tops card, um, which I will post a photo of on the website um, out of Project Shackbox. Um, he was a big dude still. Right. Anyway, I have said that this was like supposed to be a 10 to 15 minute thing. Tim Johnson was how I wound up being like, oh, wow, I, I remember that name. And yeah, he was the stolen valor guy. He was the guy uh, who managed the Blue Jays and then was exposed for saying that he was in the Vietnam War when he was not really actually in Vietnam. He was just in the Marine Reserves in 1966, I guess. Um, because by the time he was 18 that year, he was playing in the minor leagues. Like He was a professional baseball player for almost the entirety of him being eligible to serve and the war going on. And a lot of that time, he was in Major League Baseball. How, the f how did he tell those stories for all those years and nobody was like, dude, how did you even wind up in Vietnam and then wind up playing Major League Baseball in 1972 or whatever year it was? I, I think it sort of speaks to a couple of things. It speaks to the fact that he probably didn't start really telling those stories until the 80s and the 90s when he was coaching. And so he's telling it to younger kids who might not have put two and two together. And I love baseball. I love to watch baseball players play. Not the smartest group of fellas in the world <laughs> on any given baseball team. So they're probably not thinking too hard about it. Uh, I, I think the other thing is, look, there's no internet. If if he says, I'm Tim Johnson, and I was in Vietnam in 1967 or something, what, you got to go find a Tim Johnson baseball card, or you got to go get a baseball encyclopedia if it's, you know, 1989 or 1990. <laughs> you can't just, like, call up baseball reference and say, well, wait a minute, how were you in Omaha that year, too? You know, you can't do that. So the the slowness of the world, the lack of information, and the fact that a lot of ballplayers are just really dumbasses, really helped his cause there. So the thing that I wanted to um, bring you on about was the concept of shame. I need you to explain that to me like I'm an idiot, um, because Tim Johnson wound up never managing again, and A.J. Hinch is back in baseball managing the Detroit Tigers. Alex Cora got like a year off. No, um, that, that was, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, 
Tim Johnson like disappeared, got run out of the, you know, run out of town forever. And yeah, he, he was a dirty, rotten liar at the wrong time, I guess. Oh, yeah. If he would have done what he did in 2017 or 2018, he would have been fine or now even because if we've learned anything in the last six or seven years, it's the worst thing you could possibly do is own up to your mistakes in public life. Anyway, that's the worst thing that you could do yeah. or admit that you've ever made a mistake. If you fight defiantly against all odds, against all facts, against all reason, someone around you will take up your cause for you. They will consider you a martyr and a victim and and you will be fine. You'll you'll go on Tucker Carlson or something and you'll say, yeah, I might not have technically been in Vietnam, but I was supporting our troops in my own way. And and really, why are these woke people going after me, even though I'm telling a truth? And, and people will go, yes, that's that's right. And they would nod their heads. So poor Tim Johnson just uh, he, he, he came of uh, in, into into his his disgrace at too early a time when we were a finer people than we are now. So we are now almost 10 minutes into what I said would be a 10-minute show. We can finally get to the uh, the subject that I actually did ask you to explain like an idiot needs explaining. I could talk fast about that kind of stuff. Which is the, and maybe should, um, the antitrust exemption and why it's being talked about yet again. And like why it is a thing that sometimes... Ted Cruz is against, sometimes Bernie Sanders is against, sometimes Rob Manfred seems like he is like, I would love to get rid of it, and then I could get rid of even more minor league teams. Like, what is, and that one, that one gets me too. Rob Manfred's like, if you get rid of the antitrust exemption, I might have to get rid of some minor league teams. Oh yeah, if you pass an arson law, I might have to stop, I, I might have to burn down more buildings. Like, what <laughs> It's also, I mean, that kind of goes with the Tim Johnson thing. We're also in an age where people will say, if you call me a racist, I might just have to be a racist. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. You've made me be that. But I, I think the thing that you need to understand that what people need to understand about the antitrust exemption in politics is that no one in politics really cares about baseball except for the purposes of being able to sort of demagogue things, grandstand a little bit, get some easy press. When Bernie Sanders, for example, and hey, look, I like Bernie Sanders. I'm a big flaming lefty. Uh, but when Bernie Sanders talks about really important issues of the day, no one listens to him. When he re releases a press release saying, we're going to investigate Major League Baseball for the antitrust exemption, everyone carries it and follows it because it's interesting. People kind of know baseball more than they know healthcare policy. It's a big thing that kind of hits in the culture. So when you're a politician and you have the ability to call baseball in on the carpet, like they did with steroids, like they did with cocaine, like they've done a million times in the past, it's easy press and you're never going to lose. Because if you go out there and you say baseball is bad and they're hurting common people, there are a lot of people that are going to say, yeah, they are. And so that's why the antitrust exemption comes up right now. Uh, a bunch of minor league teams went away a couple of years ago. They went away in places where Congress uh, people sort of live and have constituents because they tend to be rural areas. They tend to be in a lot of red states. Uh, so all of a sudden, it's a big issue that you can pound your fist and say these fat cats in New York, these rich elite athletes uh, and the press that follows them are ruining our lifestyle and our fabric of being. Let's make some noise about it for a while. And then they'll forget about it when it comes time to actually do anything about it. You don't actually have to talk fast. It was more about me not wanting to like monopolize your time. Well, I do talk like that all the time anyway. I'm sorry. When I get <laughs> I animated, I keep going. No, and this is something to be animated about. What, what I don't get is 
they already got rid of, you know, all these minor league teams. So many of the things that we hear are, oh, if if you don't have the antitrust exemption, X, Y, and Z will happen. X, Y, Z happens anyway. What is the big deal if it's there or not? And who actually benefits if it does go away? It's still a big deal for Major League Baseball, even though Rob Manfred will would like to pretend it's not. He likes to and pretend I, it's not. Because if he pretends it is, then it gives more leverage to his detractors or to members of Congress. Um, if it doesn't seem important, they might leave it alone. But but the real example, the real thing that's big are, one, what we're talking about now with the minor leaguers. They can just pay minor leaguers nothing. They can completely control their player development costs. Uh, they can keep a, a, a stud prospect from shopping his wares um that's important to them they can keep the draft now i know the draft is collectively bargained but the underpinnings of it are their their ability to control minor league talent or or amateur talent so that's a huge thing and then the other big thing is uh you know the rays right now are having a hard time figuring out a stadium situation so are the oakland days and at any time in baseball history there's somebody um the only thing stopping a team like the oakland days from picking up and moving to brooklyn is the antitrust exemption um, the the reason why baseball can control territories for the major league teams, uh, why the A's didn't build a, a park in San Jose, why the Rays can't just right now go to the Atlanta suburbs. Well, <laughs> sorry, there's a team in the Atlanta suburbs, but go to downtown Atlanta, for example, and compete uh, or turn Chicago. <laughs> into a three team. Just go to Turner Field. <laughs> right, right. Or, or go to Chicago and make it a three team market or go to the Inland Empire in, in Los Angeles and make that a three team market is because of the antitrust exemption. Um you know, another thing would be uh, if Jeff Bezos decided he was bored and rather than shooting rockets into space and ruining everybody's lives, he just decided he was going to start uh, an eight team upstart baseball league uh, and and put them in all the major cities and fund them until the end of the earth. Uh, baseball can combat that with its antitrust exemption in lots of ways it wouldn't be able to otherwise it could uh you know all the teams could get together and agree well they own the baseballs we agree we're not going to sell baseballs to anyone except major league baseball so you know bezos would have to start up his own baseball manufacturing outfit things like that you bring up jeff bezos and also we talked about you know the group of people that baseball players are we're watching right now in golf um money money talks Mm -hmm. and those guys do not care who's signed and honestly you know you can say what you want to about saudi sports watching and this is what phil mickelson really and all the rest of them really should have said is yeah i'm taking money from a bunch of murderers um in saudi arabia um have you seen the people that i'm taking money from when i take money in america because it's (laughs) the same like that would be the most woke shit of all times. Like I'm sports watching because there's no ethical sports <laughs> pay under capitalism. Like suck it up. I'm either working for Todd Ricketts or I'm working for the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. They they both they all want it both ways though, right? Because they don't know if the Saudi thing is going to last forever, and they want to yeah. be able to go crawling back to the PGA. So they don't say it, but they could. <laughs> it'd be it'd be interesting. I I just I'm waiting for someone to make the point 
that, you know, if you're like the 28th best guy on whatever that Saudi golf circuit is, you're you're making probably more money than almost everybody on the PGA Tour right now. And why aren't we mm-hmm. doing these? These horrible athletes are making money for nothing. These rich, greedy athletes like you hear with baseball. You don't really hear that so much. I don't know. I don't follow golf as closely. Maybe some people are yelling about Maybe that, it's but. because of the golf audience. Yeah, has, yeah that's yeah, true. And because it's an individual sport. So there is more of a feeling that, you know, it's earned or whatever. I, I guess self, the self-made golfer is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, the blue collar, the hardworking golfer. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I don't know golf so well, but I'm trying to now think what would happen if we had a, a baseball super league, right? If let's just use Bezos yeah. again or, Elon Musk or somebody like that. And they just wanted to make a, a 16 league and they wanted to take all the best players from major league baseball. And they would put these games on all the time and everything. I mean, there's really nothing that would stop that, but the antitrust exemption. So it would be, it would be kind of fun. I guess also the deal that the Yankees have with Amazon prime already, although they could be the team that well, starts it. Oh yeah, what you do is you take I mean the, just like Manchester City and, and all the rest of them tried to in Europe. Yeah, the Super it didn't League. Work. Yeah, you take the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs and I don't know, the Mets maybe, I don't know. And and you and you just make that kind of a thing and you just put them on TV all the time. You're kind of seeing that anyway. You see with uh, the way the US is with the way Major League Baseball is trying mm-hmm. to do like the European baseball thing. That's all they're promoting over there is uh are those four teams for the most part. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's actually, you know, of all the things that Major League Baseball does and that we rightfully rip them for, I don't think it's a terrible thing to follow the model that, you know, England used or that the Premier League used to, you know, turn itself into a huge fucking deal over here. Right. And they had Saudi ownership just before we did. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Go Newcastle. uh, Is there anything else that I, an idiot, should know about the antitrust exemption as as we continue to hear about it? That it's not going anywhere. That no matter what happens with (laughs) Rob Manfred and the Senate right now, no matter what happens, if they call him on the carpet and he makes a complete ass of himself, which he absolutely will if he testifies, it doesn't matter. There is not the political will to get rid of it. Congress really enjoys being able to call baseball people in for hearings that are going to get big television numbers uh, whenever they feel like it, because it'll take their minds off of the important and hard stuff. So nothing will change. There is the side benefit of Rob Manfred being embarrassed in congressional hearings. Now we're back to shamelessness. Yeah, but it's entertaining for us. It is. It is entertaining for us. And I get to write a lot of things like dunking on him, and then I get all depressed when I realize that nothing matters and he'll get a raise next year. And Craig writes all of that at Cup of Coffee, which you can find on Substack. And I think we have recommended in our recommendations thing. And if we don't, we will. Um, yeah, Craig, thank you so much for being the first guest on The Elaine Show. Hey, man, I love to be on the premiere of anything because... You know, if the pilot doesn't get picked up, I'll be forgotten. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and you know, if it does work out, you're a trivia answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to have you back another time. So we'll do that. Uh, Craig Calcaterra, everybody. I'm Jesse Spector. This has been The Elaine Show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. I did. 